Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, and I'm bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, anything happening in the reefer world. And today, I'm joining you from the Buckeye State. That's right. I'm in Ohio today. Now, if you're familiar with Running on Ice, you know that I write a newsletter every Wednesday and Friday covering similar topics, but this week is a bit different since I am out of state and taking some time off. But you can catch the next Running on Ice newsletter that's this coming Wednesday. So let's get into the good stuff. Now, today I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Dalton Tealens. He's the president of Well Companies, and he's so special because Well Companies, if you're familiar, is our sponsor of Running on Ice. So we're going to be talking about listening to your employees and how taking in what their wants and needs are can seriously make a positive impact on your business. So let's welcome Dalton. Dalton, how are you doing this Friday? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you on and especially to learn more about Well Companies and have our viewers and our listeners listen to more about Well Companies. So I'd like to get started and jump right on in. And let's start with the beginning. Now, I understand your grandfather started Well Companies. That is correct. So my dad and my grandfather started the company in 1975. Um, My dad had 14 brothers and sisters, so it wasn't a small family. So my grandpa started driving truck in 1954. And my dad saw that was a sustainable way to provide for a family. So he followed my grandpa's footsteps. And both of them compiled their money and bought their first truck and uh, started out in 1975 hauling swinging meat out to Brooklyn. And then they'd bring ice cream back. Um, and they ran out my grandma's backyard in Green Bay, Wisconsin, my grandma and grandpa's backyard. So when they would get back from their trips, all the brothers and sisters that couldn't drive truck uh, helped with the paperwork, the maintenance, you know, cleaning, all that stuff. And then my dad's brother joined him um, in 1978, uh, my Uncle Randy. And eventually in 1987, they were able to buy my grandpa out and uh, grow about 150 trucks in two years and and get into the refrigerated um, storage for the warehousing in Wisconsin. So after that all happened, um, here we are now to where they started with one truck to where we're at, 450 trucks, 700 trailers, and about 13 warehouses across the country. I believe we actually have one of those photos of your grandfather's trucks, if we could pull that up. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was the first truck. They actually had to like compile all their savings and then sell the cars off and some bikes and things like that in order to come up with enough for a down payment from the bank um, in order to get it. So started with leveraging everything they had to start out. And I believe another image we have is actually of your grandfather too, next to one of the trucks. Yeah, uh, no. So that's my dad, actually. Yeah, that's my dad. Um, So we were actually able to find his original truck uh, basically two years ago, uh, right before COVID started. And we're able to buy it back from someone and then restore it. And so this past May, we were able to give it to him. He was completely shocked that we were able to find the original one and put it back to what it looked like. So that was a big surprise for him. That's amazing. I can imagine he was just so excited, especially his 
own first truck. That's crazy. I don't even know how you would find that. Yeah, it took quite a bit of people in about nine months, but we were able to track it down uh, actually through Facebook. So we found it on Facebook and worked with the DOT and FMCSA to help track down what all happened to it, who changing of possession, who had it. So we were able to track it down and then finding someone to restore it. That was a tough part. But it took about nine months to restore and it's all good. And I know that Well Companies, tell me what it exactly stands for and how the name came to be. Yeah, so it started out where my dad and grandpa saw a need for the dairy producers that made cheese and yogurt and cottage cheese and ice cream in Wisconsin needed someone to service their freight outside of, um, I put, they only had uh, carriers outside of state. So then they came up with Wisconsin Express Lines. But the problem was, is when they bought out my grandpa in 1987, customers and drivers only thought we did business in Wisconsin. So then they changed it to well companies like it is today. It's a 1L. And that way it was the perception we were nationwide service. And so kind of jumping to today, you had mentioned it a little bit before, but tell me more about operations now, um, the states that well is in and kind of what we're working with. Yeah. So right now we offer truckload service um, nationwide. Uh, We have facilities, warehouses based out of uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is De Pere, um, Joliet, Illinois, Allentown, Pennsylvania, McDonough, Georgia, uh, Winter in Florida, and recently Oklahoma City and Springville, New York. Um, this really gives us, it was set up for our LTL network. So we do do refrigerated LTL 34 to 36 degree. Um, that gave us the, the locations for these warehouses, gave us the ability to service these regions within one day and also uh, match our driver network and our customer base also. And then and the uh, I believe other service... Sorry about that. The other service we provide is logistics, which has grown greatly uh, since pre-COVID. I believe you had mentioned when you and I were first talking that LTL has grown 43% year over year. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's on the, on the refrigerated um, side of things. Can you tell me why you think you've been so successful? The, the biggest thing we're seeing is our service. Um, so we, we are very disciplined in our service schedules. But the other thing is, is we work with our drivers. So we run the same location, same stops, same appointment times each week. And the same drivers go on those loads. So they truly own them. And then what we saw then was the efficiency. Um, let's say a driver could only get off two or three stops in a day. We saw them getting off four or five simply because they knew the dock workers location, how to run the loads, braking, all that. But then also... Um, we're seeing a lot more customers unable to um, fulfill a full truckload. So they need a service from, they don't need a, a full truckload service, they need an LTL provider. But with that, usually the stigma is, oh, it's going to take a week or two to deliver it, where we're getting our stuff off in two or three days at max and getting it to the receiver. And do you, go ahead, sorry. Do you think that that You're is good. going to be slowing down anytime soon, especially having such growth like that? Do you see it continuing? What do you think? Uh, to be honest, we have a waiting list of customers to get on, but we haven't seen the volumes go down. Uh, we've actually seen them increase, especially since the beginning of the year. Um, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of uh, buyers not wanting to stack up on inventory or increase their levels. So they're buying just enough. 
but the other thing is it's very hard to get raw material, have the plants or the production lines run smoothly to where they're producing consistently full truckloads. Um, so we're seeing a lot more partial orders, let's say 15,000 pounds or less, and those would be diverted to our LTL. And since we already have so much volume going to one place, we're having customers combine it so it makes a full truckload and then we're delivering it there. And I know you and I had talked about diversifying and how important do you think it is for companies to do like what you've done in creating a more diverse business? Yeah, uh, I think it's crucial. I mean, especially with you're seeing the interest rates, everything going on in, you know, the geopolitical realm over in Europe, China, things like that. We really took a look at our customers and we started dialing into detention, but also who matches our network, not just from an LTL or warehousing side, but truckload, um, who's utilizing our brokerage division to truly integrate with us. Uh, But the other thing is, is we took a look at our logistics and said, okay, beyond food, what other sectors can we get into and uh, develop a niche there? such as the drayage, um, air freight, intermodal, um, flatbed, drive-in, to where if, let's say, food, the food sector slows down, uh, lumber is still strong, steel, things like that, where our company isn't completely stalled or the revenues plummet. Um, we've seen such versatility and, and volatility with who's playing in what markets, where the rates are at, um, what's moving, what's not, that we've needed to get more segments than just the food grade industry. I'm curious so what rec- sector... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm curious what sector you think is has been the most difficult to break into. Uh, probably the drainage side for us. Uh, simply with, we got in during COVID. So the delays with the containers um, at the ports, some of it was in our control, others wasn't. But also the visibility from our customer side, they think a ship's going to be there this week and it technically is, but it's not going to be unloaded for two or three weeks or they don't have a good enough time. Um, That's been difficult. But then also on the claim side, some of the products sat so long that you're seeing more claims or the product can't move or it's got to be inspected before it's released. Um, That was definitely or definitely difficult. But we brought in some industry experts that have been playing in that field for a while, and they've helped bridge the gaps um, and kind of advise us on what ports are quicker than others or, hey, this is what's looking like for the delay time. So they might say it's this week, but it's really, you know, a two-week delay we're seeing right now. Um, So that helped a ton. And you would absolutely say that this has been worth it, breaking into these sectors, all of them. Yes. Uh, I, I really think, um, you know, there's there's customers that need truckload services, uh, LTL, obviously warehousing or storage. And then if your assets or your capacity doesn't run a lane, they need another option on how to source that capacity, get something done. So what we truly developed and what my dad has set up for years and trying to set up is to finally come to fruition where we're a one-stop shop um, for a customer and at least can provide a solution um, for all their needs. 
And so Dalton, we're talking about listening to your employees and growing retention rates. And there's this obvious, of course, driver shortage out there. And we hear from recruiters all the time on what employees say that they want and what would keep them at a company. But I'm curious, when Well Companies was you know, moving things around and trying to think of more business plans, what was it that your employees said that they wanted? So the big things was that we saw during COVID especially um, wasn't so much the pay, but all the other things like uh, when it relates to like healthcare or fitness, um, you know, holidays, things like that. So what we did is we put a team together to really figure out what people's pain points are. And with that, we've uh, added quite a few amenities like an on-site chiropractor. Um, So drivers were having trouble in office people, even getting, you know, back problems fixed, anything like that, getting insurance to improve it, approve it, and then getting a doctor appointment set that worked. So we hired an on-site chiropractor, um, on-site doctor, because uh, people were having to get COVID tests and appointments were limited and they couldn't get their kid in. Let's say their kid just had a fever, need to get checked out. Um, but then also the, the absorbent costs. So we hired them, we brought an on-site doctor along with a health and a diet or nutritionist and dietitian um, and then a personal trainer. Uh, we saw fitness become a real thing over, I guess you could say the United States when COVID hit, everybody was working out, but we saw our drivers struggling to um, find workout plans that worked and also how do we get our whole company in better shape and uh, better health so they, they live longer. So we added those things on and we, we took an initiative to add it where it's cost-free to our employees and their families um, so both can utilize it. And that was a huge success. Um, but also just from a, a driver's side, we went to a CDL training school, which we've had for about two years now, where we saw in the industry guys graduating school and they knew how to get their CDL. But beyond that, the training was a huge gap from what was happening really in the industry when they get in a truck. So then we decided to start our own CDL schools in Oklahoma, Florida, and then in Wisconsin. And so we have a four-week program to have someone come in, get their CDL. And then after that, they do about eight to 12 weeks of training, depending on what they need, comfortability level. And then from there, really, we're going over not just how to drive the truck, but everything from, you know, chain of custody with the loads, why temperature integrity is important, seals, parking. Um, But then the lifestyle, I I think the lifestyle is not talked about enough, how difficult it is to just find simple things like parking or healthy food options, um, balancing work-life balance, uh, things like that. Um, but we looked at the other companies, what they were offering. We saw a lot of contracts that guys were having to sign in order to go through the CDL programs where they have to stay a year. And we didn't feel that was right nor necessary simply because uh, if, if guys, if a driver's not a fit at the company, basically they can't leave or they have to stay there um, or they can't drive anywhere else. So we decided to not do that. Um, so you can walk away at any time. But also we pay $700 each week um, that someone is here training to get their CDL. And then we hire them on after they get their CDL and they get paid $700 per week uh, while they're training. We so. see it all the time. I, I'm in all of these um, truck groups, of course, online. And you're hitting so many issues that people are talking about and so many reasons why folks are leaving the industry or 
or what employers are seeing. Um, folks don't necessarily know how to go about getting their CDL. And then from getting their CDL, they don't exactly know where they should be working and why they should be working for those companies. And you hit, you know, finding, explaining to your employee, um, really the ins and outs of the job has got to be 100% beneficial to any of the workers, especially the drivers, and talking about, you know, parking situations and finding healthy food options. Those are two of the biggest things that I see nonstop in any of these truck forums that, I, that I'm a part of. And I, I really commend you guys for kind of beating that head on and um, kind of giving them a head start on what they need to know in the industry. And so I'm, I'm curious, how would you say that that has benefited well companies, um, not just the the driving school and the driving training, but just listening to your employees and and making these changes. Yeah. So one of the biggest things we've seen, we, we had drive, driver turnover right around where everybody else was um, with a really our company-wide fleet, right about 90, 92% pre-COVID after our uh, employee awareness group started getting involved, taking surveys, gauging what the employees and drivers, contractors, everybody truly wanted. Um, just with our, our fleet currently, um, we're right around 67% turnover only. But that is with everybody across the board. Our students, are um, the people that come through our school, are our sub-30 turnover percentage. Um, but then also just office employees. Uh, we see everybody offering crazy uh, wages, I guess you could say. Um, and it's not like we aren't playing our employees good, but just some of the things they're looking for is not necessarily monetary compensation. It's the flexibility or the ability to have healthcare options or a personal trainer, nutritionist, um, all those readily available, you know, at your work, um, but also for your family too. Um, we see that being a big thing that a lot of people have to leave work, go run their kid to the doctor or anything like that. Um, but also the cost of it being free is huge too. Why do you think some companies aren't jumping on the bandwagon with you and and making these changes and instead just saying, well, we're just going to pay you more? I mean, I guess I would assume that money isn't always the biggest factor. And I feel like people would know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always a struggle, even when we were going through it. You obviously got to answer for the bottom line. You got to make sure it makes sense. But one thing is, is you just got to trust your gut, knowing people work for people or people do business with people um, and that eventually money can't compensate the relationship uh, or the benefits you're offering. And I think one thing is, is you got to realize you're going to get it back. Um, you might not be able to quantify the ROI initially, um, but you just look at what the turnover cost is or your hiring cost recently and just take the last 18 months. It's gone up drastically, let alone finding talent that meets it, um, the needs for the job is even harder. So if you're able to retain talent um, and not lose it to, let's say, headhunting or people looking for to advance their career, they're happy where they're at because of the other things um, you're offering are huge. And we have had quite a, dry, a lot of drivers leave um, that do come back in about three to five months and say, wow, I should have never left. It's awesome. There isn't greener pastures. Um, but sometimes you do have people leaving, they're happy where they go. But overall, don't look at the bottom line, look at the overall morale and retention and turnover rate of your employees and it will pay off. 
So I would like to ask you, of course, with current supply chain issues affecting everybody, what might be affecting well companies right now and how might you be working to adapt to that? Uh, yeah, some of the things we're seeing is just detention times going up. Uh, so we're really looking at our overall network and where we're sending drivers and how often. Uh, for LTL, for example, the top 10% of places we go that have the highest detention times, we're only going there once a week instead of three, four times. And we've worked with our customers and also the receivers that are holding us up explain the situation. They're saying they only have so much capacity or they have labor, labor issues. And that's the best they can do. So we work to find the best day and time uh, that fits both and go from there. But then also, I'd just say uh, we're dealing with the same thing. Everyone else is on the fuel side, equipment side. Some of the things we're doing to offset it is uh, fuel incentive programs for our contractors and uh, employee drivers to be conscious on where they're fueling, how much they're putting in, everything like that. But also if they're compliant with our fuel network, there is a incentive for that. Um, but the other thing too really is just getting drivers in and out is gonna be huge. There is a driver shortage. Um, I know the freight demand has slowed down currently, but if we can get drivers in and out of docks quicker, um, I believe the average TCA put out recently was 6.2 hours drivers use on average for their hours of service each day. We could get that up to eight or nine. That'd be huge. It offers way more capacity without trying to find a bunch of people um, to add into this industry or this uh, work career. And so I think we got to, it's been talked about for years, but we got to address it. How do we get drivers in and out quicker from these docks? So Dalton, I know you kind of mentioned um, the driving school, but is there anything else new that might be, well, might be working on or anything new when it comes to these employee benefits that might be coming up? Yeah, so right now we are working with the, the state and boards of education to look at offering a child care facility um, on site up here in Green Bay. Uh, it's probably at least a year out. But we saw a ton of people not able to, you know, Ford health or uh, child care, but also the availability. There's two, three month waiting lists. So we figured if we could get, um, I put this, a place set up or a service set up here on site to offer that, that that would set us apart bar none. But also, I think part of that is, is just work life balance, especially with drivers, people new to the industry. How do you still be a good uh, dad or ma or grandpa or grandma or aunt and uncle? with not being there? What's some of the things you can do? How do you interact? Um, but also, I guess you could say the engagement. It's tough looking at social media. I'm sure when you're driving, you're gone for a week and, and you see your kids or you see everybody else with their kids. How do you you still provide or be engaged and then bridging that gap? Um, those are the two things we're looking at is, is the family work-life balance. We feel it's huge. Um, how do you balance it? How do you make sure your family's still happy, but you're able to do your job? Dalton, before I let you go, any last tips to other employers that are looking to um, up their game when it comes to keeping their employees? Yeah, the biggest thing I'd say is just do surveys. I would say split out your drivers from your office people uh, to your warehouse and shop. They all have different needs. But if you're going to do it, listen to them. Come up with a communication game plan on how you're going to address them or what the results were and actually act on them. 
that was uh, one of the mistakes we made, let's say like five, six years ago, is we do surveys, but we'd never do anything with them. So then people are like, okay, they're going to get all this feedback and then nothing's going to happen. So really just setting up an employee engagement committee made a difference in actually making sure you know, our words were put in actions. Thank you so much. And Dalton, before I let you go, where can people find out more about Well Companies? So if you're looking for the CDL information, um, how to get started with your career or anything like that in your driving career, go to drivewellcompanies.com. Um, for any customers looking, just wellcompanies.com or anyone else. Um, that'd probably be the best way. Uh, or just call our line at 920-339-0110. But all these things, you can find our Facebook page. It's wellcompaniesinc.com and stay up to date. And you can see all the things we're doing for our employees and um, how I put this, how they're working in the engagement with it. You'll, You'll definitely see it there. Awesome. Thank you, Dalton, so much again for joining the show. And I'm excited to talk with you next week. So we will get into that um, coming up. Now, for everybody else watching Running on Ice, um, you know that my newsletter will be next Wednesday and Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'll have a link to this show so everybody can watch the rest with Dalton Tealens and Well Companies. And um, I'll also be talking with folks at Tive. So stay tuned and I'll see you next Friday.